What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia. And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. On today's episode, I will be going solo. In this episode, I'll be discussing my observations regarding Victor Wembanyama's first summer league game, and I'll look at the opening days of free agency for the Spurs. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode. I do want to note that I'm recording this episode at midnight on Saturday morning. Yes, so the Spurs played on Friday night, and so I'm recording this at Saturday uh, morning, which is midnight uh, uh, mountain time. So if there's any news regarding the transactions regarding the Spurs, when you listen to this episode, you'll know why I didn't cover those, if there's any changes. But first, let's begin with Wemby's first summer league game that took place on Friday evening. I'm going to first start off with the defensive end first, and then from there I will go on and uh, talk about his offense and then some observations that I had. And also um, uh, some people that I follow on Twitter had as well that I, that I found were very insightful observations. So Wemby's first summer league game took place Friday night where the Spurs defeated the Hornets by um, – defeated them 76-68. to 68. So, again, let's talk first about the defensive end for Wemby and his, and his debut uh, on, on the NBA summer league floor. So he plays 27 minutes in this game, uh, finishes uh, collecting eight defensive rebounds, blocks five shots in his first game, and also has uh, four fouls. And so uh, I'm just going to go basically bullet point by bullet point. Some of my observations that I made as, as I was watching the game through each quarter. Uh, so for one, uh, you know, where were the Spurs placing him on defense? He was basically, even though he, uh, you know, he would traditionally look like a four or five, they were putting him more on the wing. So he was playing more like that three, four kind of place uh, where he was guarding Brandon Miller for the majority of the game. And then if not, he was guarding um, some of the the, uh, the players who play the five, like, like Kai Jones at times. So that was something interesting was the fact that the Spurs had him up top a lot more rather than having him down, uh, down near the block uh, for the majority of the game um, uh, for, for his size, he was up there at the top. Uh, just something I noted very early on was that he was um, he, he showed the ability to alter layup attempts by the other players from the uh, from the Hornets. Some of those players didn't want to drive in against him just because of you know that intimidation that he that he that he brings with his length uh, there in deterring shots at the rim. Uh, something I noted as well was because the Spurs were having him play um, up top, 
he was a, he he was having to switch a lot, whether that was on pick and roll, whether that was like on um, on basket weave action from the Hornets, kind of uh, just giving the ball uh, up to another player and dribble handoff kind of action. So that was something interesting was that that they wanted him to kind of command that space up top and if not be more of a help defender near the basket when that was the case. Uh, there was a possession that that I noted where where uh, it was the the shot clock was drawing near uh, to to the end of the shot clock and Brandon Miller had to basically put up a, a pretty far three and Victor actually put his hand up and blocked that shot and then got the ball back on the other end so that was that was very notable showing his length and how he's able to um you know use his length to to get to get some some block shots. There was another possession I think it was in the first half where he had a really nice help side um but I'm going to call it spike block and that means that um you know rather than just like you know swat the shot and throw it out of bounds he actually spiked it straight to the ground so that the Spurs were able to collect it and take off on the other end and that was something that's you know I think that's a more impactful type of block because you're you're keeping the the ball in play and that's where he shows already Victor that he has that potential to do that and basically create new possessions for the Spurs uh, if he gets those types of blocks. Um, there was one possession where, um, you know, for the majority of the game, he was guarding, like I said, he was guarding Miller. And a lot of times he wasn't letting Miller really drive on him. But there was one possession in the second half where, where Miller did drive on him. Uh, and then Victor ended up fouling him. And uh, it looked like Victor got hit in the throat, but they called the foul on Victor. But that was just, again, one notable play where, where Miller was able to get by him. Uh, then there was a play uh, pretty late in the game. I think it was the fourth quarter or late in the third quarter where uh, he blocked a shot with the defender trying to avoid the upcoming block. So I don't remember. I don't remember who the player was trying to shoot the ball against him. It was a smaller guard for the Hornets. And it was just, it was one of those shots where like Victor's going up with his hand and the player, you know, is about to put the shot up. And that player knows like he just has to hold that shot before releasing it that so that Victor can't block it. And even though he like waited to the last second that he could, he still lets the shot go and Victor still takes it down. I um, mean, that was just so impressive. The fact that like, if he has, if he's already right there in your vicinity, uh, and, and his arms already up over your shot, it's very hard to hesitate and use like any kind of action to kind of get rid of, of his arm coming down and swatting that shot. And of course he ended up getting the block there. So that was an impressive play to me on defense for him. Uh, and then just something I noted was even late in the game, you just saw that his energy was, was very high where he was hustling and, and helping off the ball um, at different times. So, so he was very engaged on defense uh, and he had, he had a really good night there. I, I would say, uh, yeah, again, five blocks in, in just 27 minutes, eight rebounds, uh, four fouls. So, so I think that we're going to see an immediate impact from him there on the defensive end of the floor. Now let's talk about his offense. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about the shooting numbers because uh, for several reasons. One, um, it, it is just one game. Two, it's it's just summer league. Um, he hadn't played, you know, since since basically that that French final. He he had only had a few practices with the Spurs. We know that he had the draft. Yes, he he's like shopping for a home. He had to meet with Nike. There's all these things going on in his, in his life now that he's making his transition to the NBA. Um, and so I'm not going to focus too much again on, on the shooting stats. We, uh, if you watch the game, you know that he struggled there. I mean, the numbers say, I'll just go ahead and read the numbers. So he finishes on offense with nine points, three assists, three turnovers, two of 13 shooting, one of six from three, and then four of four from the free throw line. But I really want to talk about is some of the things I saw, the observations that are going to show that down the road, you, you see why he's, you know, he's going to be like a generational talent, the kind of skill that he possesses and his IQ level are just off the charts. Um, and it's just some of the actions that and even some of the shots that he missed, just some of the things that I saw here. So let's just talk about some of the, my observations. Um, so early on in the game, he was missing some of those easy chip shots um, for him. There was one play that was very interesting to me where I want to say it was Brandon Miller kind of stopped him on the baseline about 14 feet away, about mid range area. And I thought the possession was over. He does like one dribble. And he's already at the rim and he tried to like dunk it with two hands. He missed the dunk, 
But that right there just shows you how, wow, like against one-on-one, um, when he has the, when he's able to get, get through the defender, he can get to the rim so quickly. It just, it reminded me a little bit of just how, 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 how smoothly um, Giannis Antetokounmpo is able to do it. And obviously Victor missed a shot. It's going to take him a long time to master that kind of a skill. But again, the fact that he can, he has his length allows him to just kind of you know, not, he's always a threat at the rim, basically, even if he's like within like 12, 14 feet, he's going to be dangerous there. Once he figures out the ball handling and getting more comfortable with the NBA defenses, because as I'm going to talk about here, he did struggle on putting the ball on the floor on other possessions. Uh, just another thing I noticed is, you know, you see a size out there and he draws a lot of attention multiple times. The Charlotte defenders are always worried about him. Um, he's, you know, he's drawing two or three defenders at times. They're always in his vicinity, which left a lot of the other Spurs players with open shots or open driving lanes. And that was something you noticed. You know, you saw Malachi Branham getting layups. You saw Blake Wesley. You saw just different Spurs. Um, Dominic Barlow. A lot of those guys were getting, uh, I would say, just one defender at the rim kind of kind of layups or even none just because the defense is so um you focus on, on the attention that he's bringing. So, and then so you think about the regular season and how he's not going to have those players. A lot of those players are going to be on the bench. He's going to have even, even better players. He's going to have players like Devin Vassell, Kelton Johnson, Trey Jones. Those are going to be, be the kind of players getting some open lanes because just because of the, uh, what, what Colin Reed would say, the gravity uh, that, that Victor's possessing just by being on the floor, that, that defense are going to constantly be focused on him and worried about him. There was one play that really showed what a what a player who is seven foot three should not be doing on the basketball court, and it was just, and it's what makes Victor so unique. There was a play in the first half, I think it was the first quarter, where the Spurs ran a dribble handoff for him, where Blake Wesley brings the ball up top and dribble hands off it to to uh, Victor. He like does like a little crossover, uh, burns his guy, and then and then uh, feeds a teammate because he's drawing so much attention when he does that, and the teammate ended up getting fouled. So I mean that was just. Wow. Just imagine when they have time to actually develop some plays where they can use his speed and his ball handling against other bigs like traditional players are going to guard him. That That's again, that's one of those where it's not going to show up in the, in the box score in that two of 13 shooting, but it's just one of those plays where yikes players just at that size are not supposed to be doing that. And he's capable of doing that uh, with his skill set. Um, just something else I noticed is that early in the first quarter, you can tell the Spurs are trying to let them get comfortable. Um, so what they would do is they run almost like a, like a four out kind of formation where they have, they have, they have two corner shooters, two co- players at, at the above the break three. And then basically Victor is going one-on-one against this guy from up top. And he was able to, you know, drive in and then kick out. Uh, maybe the Spurs players didn't make the shot, but again, that just shows you that, that, it, that when they want to try to get him some, some ISO possessions, that's going to be, that might be one of the formations they go to San Antonio is getting him in one of those formations where he can atta- attack up top with a lot of space and then draw on the defense or try to burn his guy uh, and, and try to get to the rim. And so that was something interesting that the Spurs were already trying with him. Um, and then of course, you know, we talk about the, the, the shooting, uh, how he did struggle, but I, I just did want to note that, you know, he, he, he did, you know, he did spot up from three. We're obviously going to see, um, you know, their the NBA defenses that um, they're going to start testing him. You know, they will start to, if they see that he's going to start struggling to make his, his outside shots, they will uh, leave him open. And then he'll have to basically make them pay for it by, by actually working on a shot and getting that to start falling. So that's something to watch is that we, we do see he's capable of taking that spot of three, but now um, it's going to be up to him going forward uh, to start making that shot. Uh, there was a few times where he did struggle driving to traffic, um, you know, just probably getting ready, getting used to the speed of the, of the NBA defenses, how the, how the players quickly attack in there uh, and try to get their hands in there um also um something that i'm going to talk about later at the end of this is how he said he was a, he was just a bit tired so you know that when you're tired you're not you're not you're not able to um, have your full energy and making your moves and so um that was something notable as well that you could probably tie to that 
And then um, he showed his ability to shoot the pick and pop three where, uh, you know, he said he set a screen for his for his teammate and then he pops out and the defense, you know, goes toward the teammate. And so he was right there for an open pick and pop three. He missed the shot. But again, it shows that he's comfortable taking that shot. And that will be a shot that, again, he's going to have to start making uh, down the road. Not right now, obviously, but during the season to uh, make sure that that defenses are drawn to him and not just, you know, going and trying to take away the rim from his teammates. Uh, and then something else I noted was just how comfortable he is getting a defensive rebound and bringing the ball up the floor. You know, that's really easy for him, the ball handling, just bringing the ball up. And, and you know, it's it's very early in summer league. He's probably only had like two or three practices. But down the line, once once he gets in there with Coach Pop in a full training camp, uh, you know, they may have plays where they want him to start initiating a play whenever he gets those defensive rebounds and starts bringing it up top. So So that's something to watch going forward. Uh, just again, it's one game, but he did struggle in the post a bit when, um, again, they, they, when the defense just swarms him, as soon as he catches, he, he starts getting into attack. They, you know, the, the Hornets sent two or three defenders at him and, and right there, he, he lost it a few times. And again, that's just, again, getting adjusted. It's your first, it's his first game getting used to the new NBA uh, style and speed of the defenders. Uh, and then he made a good play in the, at the end of the at the end of the first half where he um, he cut off the ball. One of those first players had, I think, in the post or at the three point line, and Victor cut off ball, and that player fed him, and Victor was able to draw some free throws. So again, just shows you his high IQ of knowing where the spacing's at, where the open areas are on the floor. Um, in the second half, I had a note here where um, so he I, I put he was struggling with his handle, but he's continued to draw attention. So here's a play where. He almost lost the ball like he was trying to operate, go one on one. And, um, you know, the defender got their hands on the ball and he's struggling to, to take care of it. But the fact that he's drawing like two defenders at that time, uh, Blake West ends up ends up getting the ball and ends up getting like a, like a wide open layup or dunk. And so it's just again, just even even when he's making mistakes at times, just the fact that he's drawing in all that defense is, is um, something to watch because, again, his teammates are the ones who are, who are getting those open opportunities uh, if, if they are the Spurs are able to maintain the ball. And then there was one play that was also shows his high level of IQ where he uh, he knew that he got a guard switched onto him up top. So he purposely, you know, told his teammates to kind of like spread out. He starts like posting that player and um, trying to attack him. And of course, the second defender comes in and tries to help. And he kicks it out to a, to a three point shooter on the above the break three. The player missed the shot, I believe. But again, it just shows you that he's reading the floor right there. Oh, hey, I got a mismatch. Either I can attack this player or I can kick out to him. And so um, he read that very quickly and, and he's already making those types of plays. So again, that's, that's, that's something good to see. So those are some of my, my, uh, the observations that I had on offense. Again, I'm not going to pay too much to the shooting numbers. And now I want to go through just. What's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat, picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket, outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret 
and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Some, some comments from uh, Coach Nielsen and also some, uh, um, some quotes from Tom Orsborne of the San Antonio Express News. And then a few tweets from... Um, uh, s- some Spurs uh, media that I follow as well. So let's first start off with um, some some quotes um, regarding Victor. Uh, this this one's from Tom Orsborne of the San Antonio Express News. Um, he he's there in Vegas covering this game. He said, uh, "Here's one of his quotes." He said, "Wemby said there were times when he felt exhausted heading to the bench." So again, just there noting that that victory is 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 admitting. You know, it, it's 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 different speed here in the NBA game. He hadn't played since those French finals, really. You know, competitive basketball like this. So he was. He's gonna. It's gonna take a while for him to adjust and, and get his conditioning right for the NBA level and the NBA speed. Uh, this is also from Tom Orsborne. He said. Uh, Wemby said the shortened warmups factored into his shooting struggles. So that was something he wanted to, you know, that, that Victor noted after the game about um, one of the reasons why he did struggle to shoot. Uh, coach Matt Nielsen, who's the Spurs summer league head coach, said this after the game, according to Tom Morsborn, uh, his basketball IQ is elite. And again, some of those possessions that I mentioned earlier of how he's able to draw the attention of the defense, read things on the floor. That's already showing some of that elite skill set that he has in, in uh, his, his high basketball IQ. And then this is from our Project Spurs writer, Colin Reed. This is just one of his tweets he wrote. And this is at the end of the game. He said, the defense was as advertised. He will be a force on that end of the first, at, at that end from the first day in the NBA. The offense looked a bit forced, intense at time. Clearly looked like the nerves were getting to, to him a bit. So again, that's just um, Colin noting that, you know, that he's going to have an immediate impact on the defensive end. Um, quickly at the NBA level. And then, of course, we, we all know that offensively, it's going to take some time for him to figure out the NBA game and where his his best spots to attack are, how to kind of adjust to, to when the, the defense reacts and tries to, you know, swipe the ball away from him or attack him. So th- those will be some things that will come along slowly. And then uh, here's also from um, a tweet from Mike Finger of the San Antonio Express News. He was also there in Vegas uh, covering this game. He said, the attempts themselves are absurd. He is shooting the basketball from angles that have never been seen on an NBA court before that they're not going through the hoop isn't quite the point yet. So Mike's here just noting that, that, you know, yes, we know he shot two at 13, but that's not what you should be paying attention to. It's the type of shots that this guy is putting up that we really haven't seen at, at this type of level uh, for, for a seven foot three um, player. So again, those are just some observations from uh, Victor Wembanyama's uh, first summer league game. So again, it was just one game. I don't know, uh, you know, what, what, if he's going to play in the second game or the third game, or, you know, how many games he's going to play in Vegas. Uh, it's just one game, but again, I, I was very impressed with what I saw. I know that the shooting, obviously, if you pay attention to the, to the box score numbers, it's not going to look great with that shooting, with the shooting struggles. But again, it was it was just one game, and again, I, I think that's what you got to pay attention to. Is more so is the observations on both ends of the floor from offense and the defensive perspective. All right, so now uh, that we've gone through the through the Wemby's opening game, I want to now shift back to free agency. So the last time I recorded a Spurs cast was with, with was with Colin Reed before free agency began. We recorded like on a Wednesday before free agency, and so the Spurs have made some moves. Some are official, as you'll see in a bit, and then some are not yet. So uh, I want to kind of go through that and s- just talk about where the team's uh, roster stands uh, as of a few days into free agency. It's now July what eighth, so eight days into free agency. Okay. 
So let's first talk about the Spurs signings. Let's first talk about the official ones. Officially, the Spurs have re-signed Julian Champagne to a four-year $12 million deal, so he will be getting $3 million per season. And as you've seen Champagne, he is doing a great job uh, here in Summer League where he put up like like 30 in his first game, 20 in the second game, and then even against uh, the uh, Hornets, he had like 20 or 22 uh, tonight. And so obviously, you know, the Spurs did a great job of not letting him get far into free agency and just signing him right away because, yeah, other teams might start looking at him and his performance in Summer League and want, might want to, you know, offer him a deal, but they can't now. He's already inked, he's already signed that contract. So, so Champagne will be back for four more years. The Spurs also um, announced that Serge Jabari Rice, uh, who was undrafted out of Texas, will be signing. Uh, he has signed a two-way contract, so he will get one of their three two-way spots. Now, he hasn't played in, the, in any of the summer league games. Um, uh, he, uh, so they haven't really been putting out injury reports prior like they normally do during regular season games, so there hasn't been too much information. But he is signed to a two-way contract, Serge Jabari Rice. Then the Spurs haven't made this deal official, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. Uh, so they're going to re-sign Trey Jones to a two-year, $20 million deal. And they are also going to re-sign Sandrew Mamu Kelishvili to a one-year veteran minimum deal, reportedly, uh, these two players. And as I get to the point, the part about state of the roster, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know exactly why they're, they're holding off most likely on those, on those two players and signing them uh, lastly. The Spurs have also created some trades to, to absorb some of that cap space that they have. One official trade they, they, they had was uh, they acquired Chetty Osman, Lamar Stevens and two future second round picks from the Cleveland Cavaliers in a three-team trade with Miami. Um, one thing to note about Lamar Stevens is that his, his contract is um, partially guaranteed, but we don't know exactly how much just yet that hasn't been made public. And then the Spurs are also going to acquire Reggie Bullock of the da Dallas Mavericks and an unprotected 2030 Mavs pick swap. That one has not gone through either. And so now as I get to the next segment, I'll kind of tell you why some of those deals have not been made official yet. Okay, so now let's talk about where does the roster stand now? Okay, so here's a reason why Trey Jones and uh, Sandra Mamukasvili have probably have not got signed just yet. There now that now that free agency is um, the moratorium has lifted, which it lifted on July 6th. There is a sequence where you have to do your your order of transactions in a certain way in order to preserve as much cap space as possible. So right now, with the moves that the Spurs have done, which is uh, official, is signing Champagne and trading for Osman and Stevens, the Spurs are right now sitting with $18.5 million in cap space. Um, that's basically based on the order of transactions that they've participated in. So that cap space is going to shrink a little bit um, when they when they make the Reggie Bullock trade official. And then they're going to they're gonna hold off on signing Mamu and Trey Jones last, most likely, if they want to preserve that cap space, because Mamu really isn't like on the roster. They're going to sign him eventually whenever it's time to sign him. But his, his veteran minimum cap hole won't be won't be there just yet. They can save that for last. And also Trey Jones, his cap hold is only his bird rights, which was like two million dollars. And so once they sign him, though, that's going to go up to 10 million. So basically, after they spend their cap space, they are allowed to. Uh, go over the cap and, and sign Jones with his with his bird rights. So again, if we don't see them sign those two players for a few more days or maybe weeks, uh, it means that they are trying to do some sort of move where they're trying to use the last remaining part of that $18.5 million in cap space um, after the Bullock trade. I do expect the Bullock trade to happen soon. That might be on Dallas or Boston's end because uh, those are the other two teams that are participating in that trade. So something's going on there. Uh, again, there's no there's no reason why you should wait to, to, sign, to trade for Reggie Bullock. The Spurs can do that. Um, he, you know, that's already accounted into their, into their future projections here. But again, 
The part that's interesting is the fact that they haven't signed Mamu and uh, Trey Jones just yet. So again, I, I, I think that's something to watch that if they wait a few more days to not sign Mamu and Trey Jones, they're going to get signed eventually. But again, they're, they're, they're looking probably behind the scenes and making some sort of move to use that final remaining $18.5 million of cap space somewhere, whether that's trying to sign a free agent or participate in another trade. And that was something that Michael Scotto of, um, who does he write for? Hoopshype.com wrote about recently that the Spurs are still being one of those teams that are saying to teams like, hey, if you want to send us some draft picks or future assets, you know, we'll take a bad contract or an unwanted contract that you don't want uh, here into our cap space. So that might be why the Spurs uh, haven't signed Jones and Mamu just yet. So again, I do expect the Reggie Bullock trade to happen soon. Uh, I don't see why there's a reason why they're holding that off. Uh, but the Mamu and Jones signings could take a while just because they got to preserve their low number for their cap holds before going and signing uh, both of those players. Now, one objective that the Spurs have accomplished once all these duns are final, so these these deals will get done eventually, is they are now done with crossing the minimum team salary. So one of the big things about this new CBA was all this, um, you know, this these these new remarks that you had to spend your cap space, you have to get to to a certain number, the, the salary floor, or else you only get fifty percent tax distribution. The next year you don't get any money in the tax distribution. Well, the Spurs have done their job there. They have now once they trade for Bullock and they re-sign Jones and Mamu they're going to have a team salary of 130.4 million which will cross that that minimum team salary of 122.4 million so so they're fine there even if they waive players they're that those players um uh, remaining salary that they're waived there it stays on the Spurs' books that's applied to that 130.4 million dollar salary so again they have crossed that number now uh, and where does it leave them once all these deals are finalized they still have 5.5 million dollars left in cap space and also they have the 7.7 million dollar room mid-level exception to sign free agents now i don't you know just looking at the transactions they made it doesn't look like they're going to try to sign any free agents but if they wanted to they could use those, those two avenues of um of cap resources to do that. So again, the Spurs are, are done with that objective of reading the minimum team seller. They have accomplished that goal with these trades and signings. Now the Spurs will have to make some roster moves before the first game of the regular season in October. So currently once all these deals are finalized, they're going to have 17 players on the roster, which means that um, they're going to have to waive or trade two players before opening night. So uh, my thinking is, this is just my opinion. I'm not reporting is that if they cannot find trades that 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 um that reduce the roster size, then they're probably going to wave two players. And I would just say those two players are probably um, Lamar Stevens, just because he has a partially guaranteed contract, and also Ken Burch, just because um, he does have a larger contract, six point seven million. He's in the final year of his deal, but he really hasn't been a part of the team. Where um, last year he never played a game with San Antonio. Once he got traded there, he was on the injured list. And, uh, you know, he just, I don't know if, I don't know how big, um, how much they want to have him as part of their future plans. So again, if they have to waive two players, I would say right now it's probably uh, Stevens and Birch. Um, Steve Soko, some, somebody interesting to watch right now, their second round undrafted player. He's actually um, had a good um, uh, start in the summer league defensively. We've seen that he has a lot of potential there where um, he's doing a great job in that first game against Brandon Miller. Um, he, he really makes, uh, he's, he's just a really good defender, just really good def- defensive instincts, uh, keeping his man in front of him, uh, hustling off the ball, making plays weak side. Uh, offensively, he's very raw. He, he still needs a lot of work there. And so the reason why I say um, he remains unsigned is because most second round picks for the Spurs, they sign, they, they usually sign those players to two-way contracts. So I was assuming going into free agency that, oh, Sissoko will be on a, on a two-way contract. However, there was a report out of one of the French outlets called L'Equipe, I believe, where they had said, they had reported that the Spurs were going to offer Sissoko a full um, roster spot. So there's been, it's been multiple days now 
you know, it's a free agency eight days and they still haven't signed him to any type of deal, whether it's two way or full full season. So again, maybe they're evaluating how he does in summer league to, to figure out which kind of contract to give him. I'm not sure. So, um, you know, I, I think they'll eventually sign up to some, one of those two deals, but right now Sissoko is still unsigned as a second round pick. And then lastly, um, another player to watch is Dominic Barlow. Um, he is still a restricted free agent with a qualifying offer from San Antonio to return on a two-way contract. So we saw that he had a very impressive opening night in the California Classic Summer League where he dropped like 24 and 10, I believe, in that first game. Um, then he had a little bit more quiet game against the Lakers. Uh, and so Barlow is probably that player who's trying to um, see if, you know, will another NBA t- op- uh, team offer him a deal, a full roster deal, and then have the Spurs try to match that? Or is he maybe trying to impress San Antonio to get a full roster spot before he signs that qualifying offer to return on a two-way? So, so that's what it looks like right now in the delay, in, in my opinion, of why Barlow um, uh, hasn't signed or hasn't returned yet on a two-way. Maybe he's trying to get a, a full roster spot from either the Spurs or another team. Those are just um, that, That's just how I'm, I'm, I'm reading that. All right, so I want to say thank you all to, for listening to this episode of the Spurs cast. I also want to say thank you to Joe Garcia for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe. Have a great day. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars limited time only price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer single item at regular price Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.